Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. I'm here with Justin. In today's show, we have, first of all, a brand new segment, a very spooky brand new segment with some music. You'll hear that in a second. <laughs> we have a truly terrible week for Trump as his legal woes mount, and his legal woes are actually far larger than the former president's legal team was expecting. We're also going to be discussing RFK Jr.'s shockingly racist new conspiracy theory about COVID bioweapons engineered to spare Jews and Asians. Uh, we have uh, human rights abuses on the Texas border, Russia's attempts to starve the world, and our new segment, Fashions of the Week, and our Ray of Sunshine, where we have some good news for you. And then we're going to be heading into the emergency meeting podcast, where we're going to be discussing Project 2025, a shockingly brazen and now openly discussed plan by Trump and the GOP to dismantle democracy should Trump win in 2024. Okay, so to start the show, I figured we needed a UFO update. And <laughs> if you're going to have a UFO update, you need some music to go along with that. <laughs> you're ruining the atmosphere, Justin. You're ruining the effects of this. From the X Files, of course. Uh, we do actually have a serious update for you about the UFO or UAP, unidentified anomalous phenomena that has been going on. We've had, remember, the testimony of David Grush. David the Grush, alleged. The alleged. Okay, alleged. alleged. You're Mulder. I'm the sexy redhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, former intelligence officer David Grush last month uh, revealed that the US government, he believes the US government has alien they have knowledge of alien spacecraft not only do they have knowledge of these alien spacecrafts or non-human originated spacecrafts that they also have possession of these spacecrafts anywhere from 12 to 15 of these spacecrafts that the u.s has in its possession um go for a baker's dozen yeah this is obviously very very shocking news but it does appear that the u.s government is taking this seriously and we're set to have hearings next week in Congress about this, where we're going to be able to hear some of the testimony of people like David Bush um, and to know what they know, or at least some of what they know, some of what is not highly classified information. So I've been kind of doing my research on this because I've gone down the rabbit hole. I went down the rabbit hole a few weeks on this, and I have, I'm yet to be able to climb out of this rabbit hole. But there was a statement by uh, Chuck Schumer, which I thought was extremely interesting. So this is what Chuck, this is the message that Chuck Schumer released. He said, for decades, many Americans have been fascinated by objects mysterious and unexplained. And it's long past time they get some, on, they get some answers. The American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence and unexplainable phenomena. We are not only working to declassify what the government has previously learned about these phenomena, but to create a pipeline for future research to be made public. I'm honored to carry on the legacy of my mentor and dear friend, Harry Reid, and fight for the transparency that the public has long demanded surround these unexplained phenomena. Hmm. So, okay, Justin, I can hear your skepticism. I can hear your skepticism already. It, just in the tone of your hmm. hmm. To me... I Okay, I'm going to tell you what this says to me, right? What I'm read when I read between the lines here, uh, this seems to me that Schumer has. I know that Schumer has seen this witness testimony. He's been in the 11-hour testimony that David Grush gave, right? He's been he's been shown uh, documents that Grush has got his hands on, right? They, they, I, can't remember, I can't remember how many pages it was, but there was a huge part of documents that Grush prepared and handed to Congress much of it highly, highly classified that only members of the Senate and only members of Congress are allowed to, to see. So Schumer's seen this stuff. 
Now, if this stuff was, was nonsense, he would have indicated this or implied this in his statement, but he hasn't. Right. He says the American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence and unexplainable phenomena. To me, that sounds like an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement that there's something to this, that acknowledgement that what he's seen has shocked him and freaked him out to the point where he's not denying it. He's not denying uh, that there's, that this stuff exists. Right, and this is—we're not talking about uh, a random congressman from, I don't know, Wyoming, who got elected by a hundred people. This is Chuck Schumer. This is a serious heavyweight politician who's been in politics for decades, right? Who's got the highest levels of of clearance to see, you know, government classified documents. This is, to me, this is—I'm starting to kind of get a little bit freaked out. Uh, this is what. Um, Marco Rubio said, he said, he said, there's still a lot we don't know about these UAPs, and that is a big problem. We've taken some important steps over the last few years to increase transparency and reduce stigmas, but more needs to be done. This is yet another step in that direction, and one I hope will spur further cooperation from the executive branch. And then Senator Gillibrand said, understanding UAPs is critical to our national security and to maintaining all domain awareness. When Senator Rubio and I created the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, AARO, we sought to increase transparency to the American people and reduce the stigma around this issue of high public interest. Declassifying previous records relating to UAPs is part of that mission, and I'm proud to support this important amendment. Okay. What, so, Justin, okay, my question to you is, right, if there's nothing to it, wouldn't we hear some indication from these senators that this was a load of bullshit? Well, the problem with that is, is that no one would believe them if they said that. The, it, all right, so the thing is, the denial becomes its own reinforcement at this point, right? I mean, it's it's a trope. It's it's almost a stereotype. Well, it's not it's not almost a stereotype. It is a stereotype. The nothing to see here. You might as well be saying, "I'm lying to you," even if it's true at this point. The louder you say it's not true, the more people are going to not believe you, even if it actually is true that there's nothing there. So, I mean, there's there's no point in actually saying, yeah, no, this is all bullshit. There's nothing to believe. There's nothing to see here because no one will believe you. And it'll only reinforce the idea that there's something there. So, I mean, their best option at this point is to lean into it and have hearings on it and then just let people down easier. It's like, look, we're investigating it. Look, we're looking into it. We're showing you everything we have and whatever. Believe what you want. We can't tell you anything definitive. If that's what you need to hear, that's what you need to hear. But, you know, if we just keep saying no, you're never going to believe us and you'll trust us even less. So what's, what, what, what's, the, what's the point of doing that? It doesn't do any good for them. It doesn't help any side. It doesn't help either side, right? The Republicans or Democrats. It doesn't do them any good to say no, even if no, they know for a fact that it's not true. It's like that doesn't help me. What? Am I, what? Do, how does that help me? No, but I think that if they thought that it was nonsense, if they thought that this was a complete freak show, and that these intelligence officials were wrong or lying, or they were part of some deep state um, psyop to fool the public. Uh, they would say so, right? They right, would, but that, would just, that, that would just hurt them. It doesn't, it hurts them to do that. It doesn't benefit them in any way whatsoever to do that. So, so then what, why would you say that people like Marco Rubio and uh, this guy Tim Bochet are saying, we've seen this, it's shocking. Uh, we believe the American public has a right to know about this stuff and we don't know what to make of it. Well, for That's Marco Rubio, because it helps him, it helps build his credibility. And for, for I disagree. I disagree. I think this is if you were any serious politician who what looking for, you know, Michael Ruby has presidential aspirations, right? The guy wants to be he wants to run probably 2028, I would imagine. He'll be back in there when Trump's dead or something. Um <laughs> my guess is that he's you know, he'll but the UFO subject is it's like a it's like an absolute it's like a death blow, right? You start talking about this stuff publicly. You get labelled as a complete crank, 
right? That like it's absolutely toxic because you can you can get ridiculed by everybody, and you will be ridiculed by everybody. I mean, the the media is doing uh, it's sort of doing that already, although less so. Interestingly, the media is doing this less so than before. I'm seeing stories in the Guardian. I'm seeing stories in the New York Magazine, um, in uh, Vanity Fair. Like this is being this is that now being talked about. I mean, Chuck Schumer. What Chuck Schumer is saying is he's dealing with this in a mature, responsible way. He's not laughing at the issue, and he's saying, "Yeah, we." He's not denying it, right? I I think that it would be politically convenient for him to to say, "Yeah, this is all just fanciful nonsense." I don't, I don't believe it. Or he would indicate that he thinks it's a load of nonsense to maintain some, um, you know, modicum of respect, right? It, 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 he looks better if it's if it's nonsense, right? It would be good for Schumer to sort of imply that, yeah, look, I think this is nonsense, but you guys can just look at it anyway. But he's not saying that, and that to me is very, very telling. Well, I guess we'll find out when they have the hearing. Yeah, I just I find it str- it's weird that the amount of uh, ridicule that this subject is getting. I mean, I joke around with like the X Files stuff, and <laughs> but this is this is kind of serious, right? It would be, if true, the biggest story in human history. That's true, right? You you, you do accept that, and what? Yeah, no, absolutely. What, what would be your? What is David Crush and all these other other intelligence officials? Uh, and U.S. Navy fighter pilots who are now talking to to congressmen, uh, to, uh, to members of Congress, they're now giving them testimony, showing them video footage and showing them files of what they have. What would be your explanation for what's going on? I'm just curious to, to see what you would what you think is going on. What are they seeing? Are oh, they... I don't have an explanation. I just, and, and honestly, not... just, like I don't have a particular pet theory of what's mm-hmm. going on or what they're seeing. What would be the most likely, what would you think would be the most likely scenario? Um, I mean, it could be experimental aircraft that they're not familiar with because, you know, someone could be working on something. It could be ours and they wouldn't necessarily know about it, right? The Air Force is working on something. They're not going to advertise it to everybody else in the Air Force. Um, And honestly, even that, some of the stuff that, like, I've seen a couple of videos and it's like, eh. I don't know if we have something that can do that yet. That seems a bit extreme. Um, and if we did have yeah, something to do that, they'd probably be rolling out something a little less extreme before now. Um, yeah, and what they're talking about, and, and what they're talking about, are aircraft that break all known laws of physics. And that's what I mean. Like we would see interim steps. You know, like the airplanes we have now are still airplanes, and we would right. probably have something in between. You know, airplanes and that before we did that so Mm. honestly i honestly can't say i don't know i have no idea and i doubt it's airplanes from another country because again we would have seen the interim steps you don't just go from airplanes to that without seeing something in between um so honestly i can't say i don't don't really have a pet theory yeah all, all, all i'm saying is i think that this phenomenon is worth taking seriously right we've got to listen to people like navy operators right this is from the guardian so they say that uh, david grush will appear at the hearing on wednesday along with david fraver a former navy commander who reported seeing a strange object in the sky while on a training mission in 2004 and ryan graves a retired navy pilot who in 2021 told the 60 minute news show he had seen unidentified aerial phenomena off the Atlantic coast, quote, every day for at least a couple of years. Um, as Tim Burchett has investigated the accuracy of Grush's claims, he has begun to make some bold declarations of his own. On the Event Horizon podcast, Burchett was asked if he had seen compelling evidence that the US was seeing things in the sky, quote, that might not be of this earth. Um, this is Burchett, quote, oh, 100%, 100%, no question. I don't know. Maybe it's ghosts. No, it's not ghosts. But uh, I believe in ghosts even less than I believe in uh, little green pens. But um... it's a strange one, right? Because either these people are seeing things, they're all seeing things, and the radars are picking up. Um, and the thing is, like, our radar technology is picking are picking up these unidentified uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. They're picking them up. So it's not they're not just fictions of the mind, right? right. Our instruments are picking them up too. 
Um, so you've got military officials who are seeing this stuff all the time, right? And now you have high-level intelligence officials saying, we have these spacecrafts, we've captured some of these spacecrafts, and the US government has them, uh, and they're trying to reverse engineer them. So I don't know. I'm sl I just, obviously, I want to see... I want to see them, right? I want to see, uh, but the, it just seems that there are more and more serious, credible, serious people who are reporting that this phenomenon is very real. That, that's all I'm saying. And then there are senators and congressmen who have seen the evidence and are coming out and saying, okay, like, I, we think the American public has a right to know about this stuff. <sighs> so I don't know. Like, it concerns me that if we were to reverse engineer, one of these ships, and we were able to adapt the technology, that would be phenomenally bad for the rest of the world. I mean, if any country did, we are not, we are not a species that is known for um, being magnanimous when it comes to military technology. Right. You know, if any nation had that kind of uh, leap in tech in war especially because i mean it would clearly have military applications that kind of leap in military ap application would be very very bad for the rest of the world yes any country that had it would just immediately abuse the shit out of it yeah so listening to tim bushett this his opinion of this is that they they haven't been able to reverse engineer any of this stuff not even close they don't even understand they don't even understand the compounds they're dealing with Right, they were like I think um, Crush said there were unique atomic atomic um, arrangements that are beyond our understanding. Yeah, um, but for now we're clever little monkeys like that. Yeah, so but I mean, you know, he's saying that if anybody had mastered this technology, I mean, for example, had Russia managed to figure out what this was about, you know, invading Ukraine wouldn't have been a problem. So it's fairly clear that nobody's managed to master this technology yet, whatever this is. But I mean, look, th these are all hypotheticals, right? We've got to get to the fundamental question is, does, do they actually exist? Is this real? But I'm just struggling to see what's happening because the alternative is a giant conspiracy theory, right? That all these people are lying, uh, that you've got um, people within the US government. I listened to an interview with Leslie Kane, the woman who her and Ralph Blumenthal um, released the piece that was on the, on the debrief, the Grush testimony. They interviewed David Grush before he went to Congress. And and she, her and Ralph Brimethel broke the, I think it was the 2020 New York Times story on the Navy's footage they have of, of UAPs. So Leslie Kane is a serious journalist. Like she's a serious investigative reporter. I listened to a, a, an, a, like a very long interview with her about what she's heard over the years from intelligence officials. And her take was that, look, I've been hearing this stuff for years. For, for years and years and years from high-level intelligence officials, sources I have within the government who I know to be legit and people who've worked with David Grush, and they all say the same thing. They all say these programs exist. We do have these spacecraft. Like these, This is not shocking to me. David Grush is just the first example. He's just the first serious person to go on record to say it, right? Mm -hmm. But And she was asked, like, do you think that this is... Do you believe it? And she said, yeah, I believe it because... I know these people and I have no reason to, to not believe them. What they are, I don't know. And there are all sorts of, I think there's lots of interesting philosophical uh, philosophical ramifications, right? Or philosophical, because even the concept of like alien, right? Like this is another thing to think about, right? Before we, w when you say alien, it means from somewhere else, right? Right. It means, you know, you know, from the state of reticular or whatever, or like, I don't know, whatever star system, um, we think might host life but uh, listening to the Leslie Keane interview her impression of this and from all the people she's spoken to is that it's a lot more complicated than that um, that we, we're talking about them as aliens but that's not the terminology that she or a lot of the people in US intelligence agencies would use hmm. which is well, interesting that's, that's interesting yeah right it's just it, it it's so paradigm shattering what this could be that uh yeah just the term alien is is doesn't necessarily mean anything 
right? Mm. It's, we're thinking about they're flying here from some other physical location. It's not doesn't quite do justice to the, to the phenomena and what she's heard. So something to think about, <laughs> right? Something something to think about. Um, there are also lots of stuff about a lot of these UAP sightings are over this ocean. Um, they're over the, the the out out in deep sea, deep sea territory, uh, and these some of these crafts have been seen to be going in in the water. Oh, maybe uh, they're from Atlantis. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I, I have no idea, right? But trying to sort of pick apart what she was saying and what she was not saying was it was extremely interesting because the term alien is kind of a misnomer. It's it's misleading when you're talking about aliens from another planet this is it, this might not be what the phenomena is about so there's something to think about there too okay. uh, so anyway um it's very very uh compelling i don't know i, I think the evidence thus far of obviously is it's very interesting and i think it should be i'm hoping I, i'm very much looking forward to the hearings next week to see what we we're allowed to hear what we're allowed to to look at and whether there are going to be lots, a lot of, lot more whistleblowers. Well, if it gets bad, we can always get them with our Jewish space lasers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, look, let, moving on to more uh, earthly subjects. Um, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Donald Trump. Um, I thought you we, said earthly. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, right. We Before the show, we were talking about, about uh, non-human intelligence and, Justin said that well Trump is an example of non-human intelligence and <laughs> my response to that was that no no he's an example of non-human and non-human non-intelligence non-human non-intelligence yeah the word intelligence and Donald Trump should never be used in the same sentence so this was a, a very 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 bad week for Donald Trump I mean about as bad as it could get uh, without him going to jail because the legal woes are just getting uh, I mean, it's kind of bonkers now. He's got a right, trial. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse somehow. It's really it quite worse. impressive. Yeah. So he's got a trial date for the classified documents. That's on May twentieth. Uh, they wanted the Trump's team wanted the delay until after the election um, because you know he's running for president, so he thinks he should get preferential treatment. But his... which would mean that it, you know, if you ever commit a crime, just say I'm running for president, and you can't ever go to jail because right. you know that's a thing. It's a classic Trump defense there. So uh, tr Trump's own judge, Eileen Cannon, basically rejected this and May 20th. And it's that that to me sounds like it seems to me that Cannon is basically saying, I'm not going to do you any favors here. This is going to be I'm going to try and run this by the book, which is a good sign. Yeah, she did get slapped out really hard the last time she tried to do him some favors. They I mean, her the the what what was it the the Fifth Circuit? I forget which mm. circuit, but they pummeled her, and that was with other Trump judges. They yeah. the, they annihilated her. It was like absolutely public humiliation that they handed down for what yeah. she tried to do. So she may be like, yeah, maybe not do that again. <laughs> right, and I think that a lot of people will be reading the leaves, reading the tea leaves, and saying and seeing that this guy is probably going to go to jail. And it, is it worth me? destroying my career to try right. and get this guy out of jail she's already she's already given herself a huge black eye how much more does she have to sacrifice for this schmuck yeah so there's that we have also uh Jack oh, just real quickie may 20th yeah. seems like a really long time away but it's not like a huge unreasonable delay for a case like this um mm. like yeah, people have been like some people are complaining that it's like oh my god she's delayed it for so long and it's really not that crazy out of uh you know it's like some this is a big case it's a big complicated case right yeah. so it's not like she's like giving him this big extra delay to accommodate him you know some cases they take a long time to get to get going so you know just keep that in mind right and it's from a strategic point of view, this is also very helpful to Joe Biden because he Trump is going to be running a campaign during this. This is like peak election season. So being bogged down in some criminal court case, uh, it, it, this is not good, right? This is time and money sucked away from what you should be doing, which is going out and holding big, giant MAGA rallies. And clearly Eileen Cannon is not doing it to help, to, uh, to help Joe Biden. 
Right, exactly. Exactly, exactly. But this is this is pretty good news, I would say, for the Biden camp. Uh, we've also got um, Jack Smith, prosecutor Jack Smith from Ford Trump, that uh, he's uh, now a target of the Justice Department's investigation into his attempt to hold on to power after losing the 2020 election. So uh, <laughs> CNN reports that the potential charges listed in the target letter suggest that the special counsel will prosecute a bigger case against Trump than the former president's team is expecting, and given the evidence they are aware of. Uh, according to multiple news outlets, the letter cites three possible statutes Trump will be charged with violating conspiracy to commit offence or to defraud the United States, tampering with a witness, victim or an informant and deprivation of rights under colour of law. That's pretty serious. Yep. Now, we discussed this before the show. Um, yep. I was not I was a little fuzzy on what that last one was. Deprivation of rights under colour of law. I had mm. to look it up. Um we don't know exactly what that is being applied to, like what Trump did to get that particular charge. Uh, my best guess um, is that this has to do with Trump trying to deprive the people of the United States their constitutional right to elect their president, because mm. that is essentially what Trump was trying to do. They yeah. elected Joe Biden. Trump tried to say no and take that right away from them. Mm. Um, so that. That might be it. We're going to find out when when this letter, uh, when when these charges are dropped, and we'll find out the specifics. But um, this is really, really bad for Trump because these are actual jail time type charges. Oh, this yeah. isn't slap on the wrist type stuff. Serious jail time. I mean, who knows when the actual trial date with this will be? Um, one would imagine 2025, not 2024. Well, that's the thing. We don't know. Like, is this going to go before the... Um... The, the classified documents case, is it going to have to go after? We don't know how that's going to work. Mm. Um, so we don't know the timeline here. Uh, the other thing that's important to know, like every time when Trump, when Trump was in office and he lied constantly, the press always had the defense is, well, we don't know if Trump actually believes what he's saying. Or if he doesn't believe what he's saying. So we can't say if he's lying or not. That shit's not going to fly in a court of law. Right? Mm. His whole Trump may be delusional. Right? Which is like, okay, if he's delusional, he shouldn't be president. Mm. You can't have it both ways. He can't have a delusional president or he's lying. You, you got to pick one press people because they would. That's, that's what they did all the time. You can't do that in a court. You can't have a defense of Donald Trump is so delusional that he actually believed that he won the election while also saying he had lost the election because there's a lot of evidence that he knew he lost because he said it to people. There's witnesses he, that he said it out loud. It's like, I can't believe I lost to this guy, right? So he can't, he can't pull that defense in court. And if you're going to plead, you know, he's insane, he can't run for president, right? right. If, if, you're, if you get out, if you, if you plead uh, insanity or dementia as a successful court defense, a uh, case defense, the man cannot be president. Uh, you can't do both. So right. this is not going to work. Mm. Right. So he's he's in a lot of trouble here. There is an awful lot of evidence. So yeah. he's, he's kind of screwed when it comes to this one. So we also have uh, the Michigan Attorney General filed felony charges against the 16 Republicans who lied about being elected in 2020. Uh, they are facing, I mean, prison time. I mean, serious prison time. Right? Oh, yeah. Fraud. Yeah. There was fraud, fraud, forgery. There's a there's like a whole list of them. It's like eight different charges for each of these guys, and they're all guys, shockingly. And they're old. Like these are all like elders of the Michigan Republican Party. So they're all like in their like upper fifties and sixties and whatnot. So if they get convicted on even half of this stuff, they're gonna be in jail for the rest of their lives. And um, one wonders whether they there may be some deals on the table and who they might throw onto the bus. Yeah, exactly. And now the best thing about this is there's no question that they did this. There's no question at all. Right. There's the, the phrase is called an orgy of evidence, which is mm. like the dream of prosecutors because they didn't hide what they were doing because they assumed that it was going to succeed. Donald Trump is going to be president and nothing they did would be illegal. Right. Because when you're when you're staging a coup and you win, you're you win. 
right? So it doesn't matter what crimes you committed. You right. won. But they didn't. And the fact that it took three years for this to happen is solely due to the fact that these are white Republican men who were committing crimes. And the Department of Justice did not want to pursue this. They knew about this. Everybody yeah. knew about this. Rachel Maddow was talking about this for years. And mm. no, the Department of Justice, the Michigan AG begged the Department of Justice to do something. They said, yo, we've got this case. Do something with this. And mm. the Department of Justice just was like, yeah, we're not comfortable doing that because they're Republicans. We don't. They didn't say that, but that's what it was. If man, if it had been Democrats, they would have come after them with the uh, pitchforks and torches. But they wouldn't because it's Republicans, and they didn't want to seem politicized. It's always politicized when it's Republicans. But mm. and then eventually, Michigan AG just said, "You know what? If you guys aren't going to do it, fuck you. I'm doing it." And here we are. Mm. You know, and this isn't the only state. I mean, they did this in Georgia. They did this in, I believe, Arizona. They did this in, they might have done it in Wisconsin. So there's other states that these, there should be dozens and dozens of Republicans facing jail time. And the Department of Justice just will not pursue these cases. I'm hoping that after the Michigan AG does this, that the Department of Justice is shamed into getting its crap together and going after the rest of them because there's literally dozens of these guys that did this all over the country. Mm. And it was a huge conspiracy. Like, they were all coordinated to do this. Like, we yeah. know that. And it's like, you have to do something. You can't just let them walk away with uh, from, from this. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But anyway, it doesn't look good at all. Oh, not um, for them. They're screwed. So before we move on from Trump, can we we have a little quick update for everybody? Uh, you Trump is a rapist, and we can officially call him a rapist, according to yes, Lewis A. Kaplan. So this is um, from what? What is this? This is uh, this is from the um, the second. Uh, Trump tried to try to have the um, civil case from Eugene Carroll thrown out. Wait, did I say that right? Eugene Carroll. Yes. Yes. Yeah, tr- Carroll by accident, but it's Eugene Carroll. Apologies. Yeah. yeah, they tried. He tried. Trump tried to sue to have her case thrown out, um, and the the judge pretty much slapped that down because he she said Carroll said that Trump raped her, and Trump was like, "That's not what the court said. That's not what the jury found." And do you want to read this, or do you want me to read it? Uh, you can read it. Okay, so this is what the judge, uh, this is what Judge Lewis A. Kaplan said in his, um, in his finding, uh, among other things. All right, as is shown in the following notes, the definition of rape in the New York penal law is far narrower than the meaning of quote unquote rape in common modern parlance. Its definition in some dictionaries, in some federal criminal statutes, and elsewhere, uh, the finding that Miss Carroll failed to prove that she was quote unquote raped within the meaning of New York state, uh, New York penal law does not mean that she failed to prove that Trump quote unquote raped her as many people commonly understood the word quote unquote rape. Indeed, as the evidence at trial recounted uh, below makes clear, the jury found that uh, Mr. Trump in fact did exactly that. Meaning that even though what Trump did did not meet the legal definition of rape in New York, which is weird i think i guess new york has a really really strict definition he did in fact rape her so now a judge has said that out loud which means we can now legally say trump is a rapist and there's nothing he can do about it Mm. thank you judge kaplan yep that's great we're going to make sure to repeat that when we report on trump absolutely candidate leading leading gop candidate the rapist Exactly. So, okay, let's move on. We're going to move on to RFK Jr. and his latest conspiracy theory. I'm going to play you a little clip, a little audio clip, and make of it what you will. Here we are. And we need to talk about bioweapons. Well, I know a lot now about bioweapons because I've been doing a book on it for the past two and a half years. And, um, uh, and you know, the, the, what we, the technology that we now have, all of these micro. We have we've put hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, 
COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races um, disproportionately. The, uh, the, 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 the races that are most immune to COVID-19 are because of the, of the structure of the, uh, um, the genetic structure, uh, uh, genetic differentials among different races of the um, of the receptors of the ACE2 receptor. Um, COVID-19 is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and uh, and uh, and uh, black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and uh, and Chinese. And <sighs> you know, because we're trying to dial back the cursing on the podcast. I'm not going to sit here and scream F you for the next three minutes. I'm going to restrain myself. But that is what I did when I first saw the video. I just started screaming F you at my screen over and over and over and over and over because he's an asshole and F him. So just want to get that out there. So this is, we need to, I did this in our fucking Monday's column where I basically debunked this. So look, there are there's some evidence that suggests COVID-19 affects people with specific genes differently. We we do know that. I mean, when I say there's evidence for that, there is some evidence for that, right? There, there it's such a complicated topic. I went, I sort of did quite a bit of research on this to make sure I was on firm scientific uh standings. You know, I had some real science behind what I what I'm saying, my argument, but yeah, there is some truth to that, but A, it's complex. Uh, B, we don't really understand it. Um, and C, like, this has got, I mean, Ashkenazi Jews in England died at massively disproportionate levels in, 20, I think it was 2021 in the UK. So I don't know what the fuck he's talking about there. Uh, so we also have, you know, we know that the government makes biologically engineered weapons. We do know that, right? The US has a history of doing that. So this is all, this is all true. Yeah, but this yeah. level, that level of bioweapons, targeted viruses, is pure science fiction. But you, but also you need to have some evidence of this. You need to have some evidence that COVID nineteen is an engineered bioweapon, and there's no evidence that COVID and COVID nineteen is an engineered bioweapon. None Nothing. whatsoever. L- literally zero evidence. Yeah, the fact that he had to go to the Ukraine bioweapons lab thing just tells you that it's all bullshit. Yeah, he's just making it up. Um. Well, I brought up two topics, two subjects that East Asians and South Asians have different g- genetic differences and how ha- that have an effect on the susceptibility to COVID-19. Right. So would it, when he talks about Asians, does he mean East Asians or South Asians? So, wait, wait, did he say Asians or did he say Chinese? I think he said Chinese. Because there is no such thing as an ethnic Chinese. There's right, several groups in the country. Right, I mean, there's a billion people in China, so right, and there, it's just, it's a, it's a, it is at least three distinct that I'm aware of, and I'm sure there's way more than that. Right, and also when you're talking about black people, are you talking about Africans? Because African countries, a lot of them fare quite, fare quite well during COVID, and a lot of that's to do with the age, with the demographics. Like in African countries, they have a younger population, so a lot of them did, a lot of these African nations did a lot better than than other nations that had an, had older populations so what does he mean by black does he mean african african-american does he mean east african does he mean west african does he mean south african what about central african well no what, what he mean? was talking about in the united states where uh, uh, more black people were dying at the beginning than white people and what he was what he's you know he's trying to make it sound like conspiracy but what it actually had to do with was access to um was access to health care and yeah, usual yeah, that's exactly what it was. But yeah, they don't poor, want to basically, talk about poor that. people, rich people, and poor people had different healthcare outcomes. Exactly. But, so, anyway, then obviously uh, he came out and said and, and blamed everybody else for his comments and saying that the mainstream media, the attack dogs, he said, "How devious are the mainstream media attack dogs?" To use um, my exact words in context, how yes, dare they? Right, 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 right. It's right. so Republican of him. Right. So, and what he's saying, what he's saying here is he's alluding to the fact that whoever created this wanted to spare Asians and Jews, right? 
for whatever reason. Okay? So, Sorry. He's saying that he's not he's not anti-Semitic or he's not you know anti-Asian. Oh he's such but, a liar. But it's just I don't so here's the thing. I don't know whether personally he doesn't like Jews. I have no idea, right? But my guess is that he knows this stuff plays well with his crapper audience, right? He knows the conspiracy theorists love this. So if you start mentioning Jews or like the Rothschilds or the you know the bankers or whatever it is you, you want to talk about, right? You immediately you immediately think Jews. Yeah. So I, like this this is to me where where it's at, right? He's just he's just feeding conspiracy theories. And he does it reflexively because he's he's a fantasist as well. He's also a fantasist. He just makes shit up. He just literally just makes stuff up on the spot, right? There's an argument. He said, you know, there's an argument that it's a it was a bioengineered weapon, right? There's an argument. Right. There's an argument. People, are, it's like Donald Trump's. People are saying, right? What are you talking about? What are your sources? No sources whatsoever. So he said, uh, Kennedy said, he, I demand the editors of the New York Post retract and that uh, Jonathan Levine apologize for this false, underhanded, inflammatory article that quoted him. Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. But here we are. This is, uh, this is supposedly the savior of democracy. This is all the kind of alt left and alt right uh, fanboys who are in a huge, uh, they're absolutely, you know, it's like a new cult. He's, he's starting a new cult, RFK Jr. The anti-Semitism always works. Remember, I've written about this several times, and we discussed Mm. it on the podcast. Jews are the supervillains. We're always the supervillains. China is the one that made, right? China is allegedly the one that made this um, virus, and yet somehow Jews are involved. Yeah. (laughs) We had to be involved somehow because everything comes back to the Jew. We're always the supervillain. Yep. Everything, all the time. So there's your weekly RFK Junior update. Uh, let's move on. We're going to move on to Texas and Greg Abbott. This is uh, a fairly upsetting story. That um, okay? Here we have. Yeah, this story. is pretty goddamn despicable. This story is from the Guardian. Uh, Texas troopers employed by Greg Abbott's Border Patrol initiative were instructed to push children into the Rio Grande and deny migrants water in extreme heat, according to emails sent by a state employee. Nicholas Wingate, a trooper medic from the state's Department of Public Safety, expressed concern over inhumane actions towards migrants in a three in a third of July email to supervisors and reveals other unreported incidents involving migrants. The Houston Chronicle first reported the email, which the Guardian independently reviewed, gives a report of weekly events from 24th of June to the 1st of July, detailing several cases of migrants being caught or injured by barbed wire in Eagle Pass, a Texas city along the U.S. border with Mexico. In the email, Wingate calls for several policy changes to prevent further injury to migrants, including removing bar- barrels wrapped in razor wire in the river. I mean, this is this is crazy. They're that, turning it's this, just grotesque. It's like a death. It's like a gauntlet that they're, or some sort of cruel spectacle that they're setting up for these poor people to go through when they come to dissuade them from crossing the border. I mean, it's just, it's just disgusting. The kids are people are, are going to die. Well, the people have died. Right, of, of course. They, they, yeah, they forced them back into the river to make them cross it parts that are more dangerous, specifically knowing they would die. And then it's like, oh, well. You sucks know, for you. Yeah. Sucks for you. You know, denying denying water to a four-year-old girl who passed out from heat stroke. It's like, what are you doing? Are you insane? It doesn't matter if you think she's here legally or not. She's still a human being. You don't deny them water. If they're passed out from heat stroke and possibly dying, it's a little kid, but they're right. still doing it because they're monsters. It, it really is. Greg Abbott is one of the worst offenders. He is a truly appalling human being. Now, here's a, and we discussed this before the show. Here's the thing that makes it even more sick: the the right always has a justification for doing this to adults, right? They they could be they could be carrying drugs. They could be you know, rapists, they could be serial killers, they could be diseased, right? There's always some excuse when it comes to the adults. But when mm. it comes to the little kids, it right, comes to, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old, ten-year-old, right? It's harder to justify doing this to kids, hurting kids, killing kids, putting them in harm's way because they're children, right? You, you, you can't say a four-year-old is, you know, is a serial killer or a rapist, 
You, you just can't. It's insane for you to say that. But they've come up with a new thing to justify it. Now what they're doing, and I swear to God, I had an entire conversation with a couple of different of, of the right-wingers, and it just watching them do this was, was like it, twisting themselves into pretzels. The new justification is they're doing this. They're, rege- they're pushing the kids away in order to protect children. So wrap your brain around that for a second, right? You know, try, try, not to, try not to have an aneurysm as your brain tries to adjust to that concept. The idea is if you allow immigrant children to come into the country, what's going to happen is they're going to start being used by um, bad people in South America and Central America as, quote unquote, currency. They're going to start trafficking these children to use them as cover to bring other bad people into the United States, right? They'll pretend that they're their their kid or their nephew or their niece, and they'll use them as cover to get into the country. So by allowing kids into the United States, you'll be enabling sex trafficking or child trafficking. So in order to stop this, you have to hurt the children, except there's no proof or evidence of any kind whatsoever that this is a thing that's happening. None. And when I asked for that proof, I was like, you got to show me that this is a thing that's happening. You show me this is happening, we can have a conversation. If it's like this big widespread thing that's happening, we can talk about it. So when they tried to show me their evidence, it was two right-wing sites and one of them quoted from their study, the New York Post. It's like, okay, so basically you have no evidence whatsoever this is happening. It's just something you need to justify hurting children so you can say, I'm pro-life and I'm protecting children by killing them. And that's, like, that's the perfect right wing in a nutshell. Yeah, it's like the George W. Bush Clean Skies Act. I always remember that. It was the sort, I, I believe that was the sort of the dawn of the almost the sort of Trump, the, the Trump alternate reality almost was the, this George Bush Clear Skies Act where they were pumping more pollution into the sky. But you call it the Clear Skies Act so that it's, it's completely Orwellian. Yeah, right? you're, you're clearing the skies of life. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But yeah, what you don't need evidence in in right on the right Fox News, right wing hate radio. You, no such thing as evidence. All you need is your gut, right? You just need well. I think it this is feels true. true. Feels true, so therefore it must be. So anyway, let's move on. We've got to Russia now, uh, starving the world. This is quite a. This is extremely problematic. I think moving forward because. We are now about to see pro- potentially a massive spike in food prices around the world because of Russia. Thanks to Russia, uh, yes. CNN. Russian President Vladimir Putin appears to have declared open season on Ukraine's consequential grain exports, targeting the port city of Odessa with new ferocity and jeopardizing worldwide food prices. With the strikes on Odessa, Putin says he wants to pay back damage to a nearly 12-mile bridge that connects annexed Crimea to the Russian mainland but they also coincide with Russia's retreat from a year-long deal known as the Black Sea Grain Initiative to keep Ukraine grain flowing to the world. While Russia's food exports are supposed to be exempt from Western sanctions, Russia has cited obstacles to its own exports as a reason to pull out of the Ukraine grain deal. The attacks on Odessa, meanwhile, lit up the night sky on Monday and Tuesday and targeted the city's ports, a key piece of infrastructure where Russia has allowed grain to be exported as part of the deal brokered last July by the United Nations and Turkey. Yeah, so this was in response to the Kerch Strait Bridge that you that Ukraine blew up on. I think it was last week and on Sunday. Yeah, uh, now that bridge is a major artery for hardware, military hardware, and troops getting from Russia into Ukraine. Yes, yes. So Russia is clearly trying to use this as leverage. I think it was the editor in chief of RT um, RT News, the propaganda network. There was a public she in a public statement she said this is known as sort of basically um famine right do they are there, is the world going to choose famine or a deal with russia right so let we're going to basically starve starve ukrainians and starve the world until we get what we want and that's an explicit that's exactly this it's an explicit uh tactic from the kremlin and the kremlin's media apparatus state media apparatus so that sounds like desperation to me. It doesn't sound like a country that's winning a war. Right. And, but I mean, obviously, it's 
is ex- is extremely punitive, and a lot of poor, a lot of African nations are going to suffer from this as well because they receive a lot of grain from Ukraine. So it's going to hit the poorest, the worst, and uh, you we're also going to have a situation where it, they're kind of upping the ante, right? So Russia wants to see what the West is going to do. Are they going to acquiesce to their demands? And my guess is no, they're not going to because they've we've seen, you know, Putin only understands strength and right. violence. Right, it's the only language he understands. So, uh, I think NATO and the West, they we have sort of learned from this over the years that you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. So you don't give the Russians anything; you give them absolutely nothing. We make every effort to, you know, send food aid to Ukraine to make sure that you know African nations get what they need at reduced prices from other exporters. Uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna hurt, right? This is gonna hurt. You're gonna see stock prices are gonna fall. It's gonna hit the stock market. Uh, we're gonna, you know, this could potentially have serious economic, global economic consequences, right? But I think it's worth the cost to wait it out and make and and show the Russians that they can't do this kind of bullshit and get away with it. That for everything they do, there's going to be a consequence. For every action, there's a reaction, and they're not. Go- we're not going to negotiate with them. You don't negotiate with terrorists. It, Russia right. is a terrorist nation. Uh, and, but it's- and not, not, not to not to make it about not to make it just about us because it's not just about us. But one wonders if also he's hoping to destabilize the world economy in hopes of you know uh, tinkering with our economy because our economy is still doing good, and that's very very bad for Trump going to the next year's election mm. and putin well not just trump but any republican trump ne- i'm sorry putin needs a republican in the white house in 2025 mm. he has to have one. Oh yeah absolutely if absolutely. he doesn't have one he will not win this war and he will be dead within five years yeah so the maximum disruption maximum chaos exactly um and there's serious geopolitical consequences for this right Russia doesn't have many allies left and the Chinese are calling on him. The Turkish are calling on him. Like, you know, nobody likes a loser and, and Putin Putin's war in, in Ukraine is not going well at all. So, you know, he's pissed off the United Nations. Um, he's, he's no doubt pissed off the Turkish that like Erdogan basically facilitated this deal. And this, this, there are going to be, political consequences for this huge political consequences for this potentially uh because i think the world we're not going to take kindly to russia jacking up the price of food everywhere right it doesn't it, it doesn't help russia's global image at all right right and russia needs all the help it can get right now and if he backs down it's going to make him look even weaker than he already does yeah and i think part of this was also like erdogan backed sweden's membership into nato earlier this month so i think that Putin is very annoyed about this. So he's kind of doing this partly to humiliate Erdogan and Turkey. So there's lots of complicated parts to this story, but I, I suspect that the West is not going to give in to him. The Ukrainians are not going to give it, make any concessions and allow Russia back into the, like, I think in part of this is they want to get back into the swift banking system. Um, Oh, good luck with that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So anyway, it's an interesting escalation. I hope it's, you know, I I don't think that this is going to have. Um, uh, just, a, just for our listeners who don't know what the SWIFT banking system is, it's part of the global banking system. When Russia was cut off from it, it mm. really, really hurt them, like seriously badly hurt them it's not it's a it's like a key backbone of the global banking system getting cut off from that is like getting cut off from the internet almost right and russia has survived the war quite well economically speaking i mean it's still shipping tons of gas to uh, tons of um, oil to india and to china Uh, but you get pennies on the dollar for what, what they could have made by selling it to germany and to the west right so and it, it's only going to last for so long, I think. So the economy, you know, there are lots and lots of signs that Russia's economy really isn't doing very well. And they had a huge stockpile of um, foreign currency, but that's not going to last forever. No, it doesn't last. Right, exactly. 
So again, I think signs of desperation from Putin. He's escalating. Uh, Russians like to negotiate from a position of strength. I think that this is what Putin is banking on, and I don't think that's going to happen. That he's not going to get. No one's going to negotiate with him. Uh, and this basically is another misstep. I, th I, this is how I view it. I view it as another misstep and another. He's kind of sealing his own fate here, where he, you know, he keeps upping the ante, upping the ante, upping the ante, and the more he fails, the worse it's going to get. And people, I think they just arrested uh, the Kremlin. Just arrested a, a, a mega pro war hawk. I forget the guy's name, but um, there's a there's a war hawk in in Russia who has been very critical of the Kremlin, and he was just arrested for openly criticizing the Kremlin. I saw something about that. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't I didn't have a chance to read up on it. But I saw yeah, it. I mean, a lot of the stories that I'm getting are through you know. Yeah, these a lot of Twitter accounts who who are paying attention to Telegram channels and they're translating Russian Telegram channels. Um, so it's kind of third-hand information. But uh, I'm going to look into that story more and and we can talk about that more next week when we get more because it's an interesting development, right? You've got a lot more public. Uh, first, we had a mutiny a couple of weeks ago. Everyone seems to have forgotten about that, but um, <laughs> the is growing in Russia. Uh, so look, let's uh, move on. We have our uh, fascist of the week. Uh, Justin, you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, we have Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Um, he's just going whole hog and uh, abusing the crap out of his power. Um, so basically what's going on, uh, so I'm going to read this from CNN. Uh, Ron, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is urging the state's pension fund manager to consider legal action against Bud Light's parent company amid conservative backlash to the beer maker's recent marketing efforts. The latest attempt by the Republican president candidate to inject himself and the state he runs into the country's culture war. Uh, basically, what he's saying is, is that the company breached legal duties owed to its shareholders when it decided to associate with, quote unquote, radical social ideologies. So he wants to sue the company for engaging in marketing that Ron DeSantis didn't like. And he just wants to force it to basically advertise in ways that Ron DeSantis in, it likes. Um, he's also done this uh, for other things. Later in the year, this um, back in 2022, DeSantis pushed the state pension board to adopt new rules that banned its investors from considering the environmental and social good of a company or fund when deciding where to put Florida's retirement assets, pushing back on the so-called ESG movement. Basically, he's restricting, he wants to restrict how companies do business, which is the literal opposite of a free market anything and is actual straight up fascism. You have to obey the dear leader's um, agenda and messaging and ideology, or he will use the power of the state to punish you, um, which is... Yeah, so this is um, straight up out of a fascist playbook. Yeah, that is antithetical to everything that this country stands for. It's absolutely antithetical to it. It's straight up fascism. So this is, I think, what we were kind of worried about right with Ron DeSantis being if if he was to become president was that he was kind of like Trump but smarter uh, and more he he's got a much savvier sort of knowledge of how you how you use power right he he leverages power in government uh, in a much more effective way he's much more organized than Donald Trump is but yeah Trump wanted to do stuff like this but he didn't understand how to do it, it. Yeah, and the thing is that, that you know, luckily Ron DeSantis has the charisma of a fish, so he's not going to he's not going to go anywhere. Like his poll numbers are terrible, and it's crashing, and all his donors, all his donors are like, what was it hitting, put, put, putting the pause button on, pushing the pause button on, on backing DeSantis because he's because he's so fucking useless as a candidate, which I think is pretty Thank funny. God. Yeah, thank God. Stay in Florida. It's fine. Do your fascist stuff. Well, not think... so great for me because my freaking son and my baby mamas are moving down there, which is like, why? Why are you doing this? But they're moving They're moving into hell, and I wish they wouldn't, but whatever. That's well, how I personal think that we should, like, Blue State should come up with some sort of, um, I don't know, almost like a fund, right, to get people out of these insane Republican 
states that are turning into Tom Hartman wrote a fascinating piece about this. I, th I linked to it on, on the Substack notes about the divide between the red and the blue states in America. Now that you're talking about two different countries, like they really are completely different worlds. Like blue states are kind of like modern civilized, progressive democracies that, that kind of much more resemble kind of European nation states. And then you've got red states that are racist, um, sexist, deeply unequal oligarchies almost. So we wouldn't even call them all like fiefdoms run by almost this political class of, of uh, white Republican men who've rigged the entire system or state to benefit themselves. So I think there needs to be a program, right, to get people out of there. Like, get out of there. Like, if you can't reform these, these, these states, then, I don't know, move to a blue state, goddammit, because I don't know how... As it stands with the Supreme Court, stacked as it is, you're not going to get much protection from the Supreme Court. Nope. They're more than happy to just let them run rampant. It's like, oh, state issues, state issues. They could do anything they want. Yeah. So in some ways, I mean, it's good for blue states, right? Because blue states are going to become more progressive and then red states are going to go become even more insane. I mean, they're going to be kind of religious. I don't know what you would even call it these days. Theocracies, maybe? I don't know. It's crazy. I'm sorry. It is crazy. It is crazy. So, all right, Ray of Sunshine, Ray of Hope. All right, so... This is your favorite topic, Justin. It is really my favorite topic. I love talking about this. So, I, I've been going on for quite some time about um, the demographics. Um, this is a little bit different than a demographic time bomb. It's it's kind of the same thing, but this is a demographic time time bomb that Republicans are very very aware of, and this is one of the reasons they've gone full fash. Um, but full someone, fash. what's that? Full fash. I like it. Yeah, someone was kind enough to get the numbers and put them together for me, so it's like, oh, finally, I have some like actual numbers to work with because I'm terrible at getting this kind of information together. So this is from the Washington Post. Every year, about 4 million Americans turn 18 and gain the right to vote, right? So in the eight years between 2016 and 2024, that's 32 million new eligible voters, okay? Also, every year, about 2.5 million older American voters die. So in the same eight years, that's roughly 20 million fewer older voters, okay? That means between Trump's election in 2016 and the coming 2024 election, the number of Gen Z voters will advance by a net 52 million against older people because there's 32 million of them now and 20 million less of them. That's 20% of the total 2020 eligible electorate of uh, 258 million Americans. Okay. Now, here's the better part. Gen Z is voting at a higher rate than our generation and other generations did at that age, All right? So under 30, they're voting, registering, they're getting registered and voting at a higher rate than previous generations did, like a much higher rate, right? So there's going to be more of them voting. Just never mind that there's more of them, more of them are voting than typically would, which is great. Second thing, they're not voting by party or by politicians, right? So they're not like, man, we love Democrats, or man, we love Biden. They're voting about issues. So they're pissed off about the environment. They're pissed off about income equality. They're pissed off about uh, women's reproductive rights. So they're not voting against Trump, right? Because that that's what we saw in the 2022, um, the 2022 midterms. They didn't vote against Trump. They voted against what the Republicans had done. Like all the things, not necessarily Republicans, the things Republicans had been doing, they were really mad about that stuff. Trump wasn't a Trump wasn't a thing in the 2022 election, and Republicans essentially lost what should have been a red wave. So the whole idea, like the whole the thing that happened in 2016, is that the alt left, with a lot of help from the press and the Republicans and Russia, managed to convince enough people that Hillary Clinton was just as bad as Donald Trump and Republicans and Democrats were no different. And they convinced enough people to stay home because of that. That doesn't work if the voters don't care necessarily who the, um, the candidate is 
or about the party. They care about the issue and they look at who's doing the thing I don't want and who's doing the thing closest to what I want. And when you do it that way, they don't vote for Republicans. They vote for Democrats because Democrats give them most of what they want and Republicans do exactly the opposite of what they want. And that's Mm. really hard to convince people that both parties are the same when you're not looking at it that way. You're only looking at it from that particular issue. And that means the rat fuckers are going to have a really hard time convincing them that Joe Biden's just as bad as Donald Trump because that's ridiculous. That's insane. It doesn't, it's nonsensical. So that's a really, really bad trend for Republicans. And it's a really good trend for democracy. I mean, it's good for Democrats. Yes. But the overall health of democracy, it's fantastic. Plus, Millennials and Gen Z, I mean, Gen Z is still really young, so that's, we don't have a tracking for it. But millennials aren't getting more conservative as they get older, which is amazingly good for democracy as well. So, yeah, that is definitely a ray of hope. There's your ray of sunshine, a ray of hope. You can hear that noise, Justin. Uh oh. Is it that time? It is, it is that time, right? That time. <laughs> Let's move on. For, so we've had our ray of sunshine. Now we're going <laughs> to immediately, <laughs> immediately counteract that with some fucking terrible news. Uh, but this is a very, very serious topic. We're going into emergency meeting. We're talking about Project 2025. I don't know who's heard about this, but this is serious. Republicans are openly discussing how they're going to turn America into a dictatorship. This is literally not, not, not um, figuratively, literally. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not a conspiracy theory either. It's out in the open, and um, we're going to be talking about that in the emergency meeting podcast. Please come join us there. You can uh, find us there through Substack. You can get a Bantam membership. You can get fifty percent off a Bantam membership. You'll get access to the emergency meeting podcast. You'll get access to all of our members-only articles and member chat threads. There's lots of entertaining comments and discussions that we get into on members only articles so uh please do that please make sure you're subscribing to us for our itunes and spotify uh, or whatever podcast host you listen to us on and thank you all for listening and thank you for supporting the show and we'll be back next week see you later <laughs>